Good evening, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Tectonic. My name is Mark Hurst. I will be your host for the next hour here on WFMU Freeform Station of the Nation, live from Jersey City in the great state of New Jersey. Happy Labor Day, everybody. Thanks for joining me. We have a very tectonic Labor Day special today. And even if it is not Labor Day when you're listening to this, maybe it's in the future on the archives or podcast version, or maybe you're listening live and it's not Labor Day where you are because you're outside of the U.S. (laughs) Either way, I think, I hope you will enjoy what I've put together for you today because we're going to be talking about work labor, employment, all those things joined with surveillance and what that means for the future of employment. This is an issue that affects everyone who works today and everyone who is going to be working in the future, by which I mean the younger generations. This is a constant issue that comes up on Tectonic. I always find myself talking about surveillance uh, within different contexts, but especially on Labor Day, I thought I should bring together some of the recent revelations, and there have been a few that are worth talking about and, um, and, and reflecting on in terms of how surveillance is growing and impacting the world of work. Uh, because as I said, it, it's, a, it, it's an experience that many of us have day to day right now and uh, and many more of us are going to have in future years before I get to workplace surveillance and I have a bunch of clips that I'm I'm gonna be going through uh, I I wanted to say something about Olivia's show I made a, a, a com- where I, I had a comment that I I shared with her and I'll share with you as well because uh, on the, and if you're just tuning in to uh, a podcast or an archive, the show on WFMU just before mine is a great show called Radio Ravioli, which is uh, hosted by Olivia. And Olivia was talking uh, about a half hour ago, so near the end of her show, about her interest in uh, nail care, fingernail care. And she's talking about going onto uh, TikTok and YouTube and watching various videos. People have tips, I guess, on on, on nail care. And I, I told her as I as I came in, we were preparing for this uh, DJ transition. I said, you know, as a Gen Xer, what I think of is this old Palm Olive commercial that was on TV in the 1980s. And any Gen Xers listening to this probably already know where I'm going with this. <laughs> and if you're not Gen X, you know, for, for late 40s or so, this may uh, mean very little to you. Or if you live outside the U.S., back in the early 1980s, there was this uh, dishwashing liquid called palm olive, all one word. And the TV commercial was completely bizarre because they were selling uh, how gentle this dishwashing soap was, apparently. And to prove it, they, they wanted to show someone using it for nail care. And so <laughs> in the TV commercial, someone would say, oh, palm olive is great. And the other person says, whoa, do you have any palm olive? And then the catchphrase, you're soaking in it. And then the camera would, would uh, pan down and show the person uh, uh, soaking their fingernails in a bowl of blue-green gel, this palm olive dish liquid. And I, I never – can you – if you're Gen X, do you understand what that means? I never figured out how did the person sit down and, and put their, uh, immerse their finger, fingernails, their, their fingertips, in a bowl of dishwashing liquid and, and didn't understand that they had just done that, Did, were, were, didn't realize that they had done it. Anyway, that is the Gen X uh, fingernail care tip for today. Uh, you can forget Facebook and uh, tear off TikTok and instead just go back to old 1980s wisdom and uh, think about dishwashing soap like palm olive. You're soaking in it. Okay, let's move on to workplace. Oh, b- before we get to workplace surveillance, there were a couple of, couple of other really quick things I wanted to say at the top of the show. Number one is 
Thank you so much to DJ Scott Williams for an amazing guest hosting of Tectonic a week ago. If you missed this show, go back into the archives on WFMU.org and listen to this show that Scott Williams put together. His, the, the title for this show was The Sounds of Surveillance. And true to the title, Scott was playing uh, sounds, noises, uh, commentary, music, a, a great selection of sounds relating to surveillance. And he started the show with something very, very special to both of us uh, that had that title. And I'm not going to say more about that. There's just a really nice surprise at the top of the show. So go back and listen to Scott Williams' guest-hosted Tectonic episode last week, which uh, was the, the last show in August. Uh, the next thing I'll say is that the summer schedule, sorry, not the, the summer schedule, the fall, winter, spring schedule has been posted on WFMU.org. And I'm happy to say that Tectonic will remain on its uh, current slot here on Mondays from 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern. So thanks to all of you for all of your support uh, across the years and uh, your enthusiasm for this show. And I really love putting it together, and it remains a great privilege for me to be part of the WFMU community. Uh, that is, oh, and um, yeah, so this is the last show of the summer schedule, and next week starts off the first show of the fall, winter, spring long schedule. And there is another superlative about next week's show, and that is that it is a big anniversary. It is the fifth anniversary. Next week is the fifth anniversary of Tectonic. I started the show on September 11th, 2017, and so next week will be September 12th, 2022. And what I'd like to ask for, a few of you have um, emailed in your, uh, one of your favorite topics or guests or shows uh, to mark at WFMU.org, and I'm still looking for a few of those. But what I would, would really like, if you haven't done it yet, send me a, an audio recording, maybe, maybe 30 seconds max, uh, of you saying s any guest or theme or, or um, anyth favorite anything about Tectonic over the last five years so that I can I interleave some listeners' voices among the, um, the, the textual submissions that I'm going to be reading out. So again, just take a, take a quick 30-second audio recording of yourself saying something that you have uh, favorited over the years in, in the Tectonic archives or on a live broadcast, and email it to me at mark at wfmu.org. And that is it for the, for the announcements at the, uh, at the beginning of this show. Let's get to workplace surveillance, shall we? I want to say that I'm going to go through a number of articles, and they're all listed on the playlist, which you can get to at wfmu.org and click Playlists and Comments. Uh, and if you're listening in the future, you can go to the one-page Tectonic website, which is at tectonic.fm, T-E-C-H, tonic.fm, and find the September 5th, 2022 show and click the Playlist link. You can see that the playlist starts with an image from a particular movie, um, which we may hear a little bit from later in the show. And if you click the link just bef below the image, you can see uh, the dominant theme of tonight's show expressed visually in an animated GIF, a looping animated GIF. Workplace surveillance, as I said, is something that is part of the larger uh, growing surveillance state, but it is of particular importance today on Labor Day as we're thinking about employment and the experience of workers all over the world. Now, it, if I understand Labor Day correctly, when it started, it was really a celebration of physical manual work as opposed to those in management. As, as though there was a distinct difference, and, and there still is, um, but I think the, the original conception was there was a, a big difference, a gulf between workers and management. And now today on Labor Day, we have something that, that is beginning to cross the chasm between the lower paid and the higher, higher paid workers. And, and 
there's a story in the New York Times that goes into this and talks about this bridging of this gap in this very perverse way of surveillance, bridging this gap. Uh, in the New York Times from August 14, 2022, so just, what, just a couple of weeks ago, uh, a really influential and very well done article. The headline was, The Rise of Worker Productivity Score. And, uh, excuse me, the rise of the worker productivity score. And what the Times is talking about is the, is the analysis, the surveillance, the analysis, the metrics, the gamification, the feedback loops, and really the manipulation of workers in all industries. It's coming for all workers, this, this, uh, this surveillance and control feedback loop. Now, you might, if I tell you about worker surveillance, a lot of people will think about Amazon warehouse workers or fulfillment center workers. And I talked about this, go back to the archives and listen to my interview with Alec McGillis a few months ago. He wrote a great book called Fulfillment, talking about, among other things, the experience of workers in Amazon fulfillment centers and how they are tracked down to the second uh, down to the centimeter of where they move in order that their motions can be uh, fully monitored and optimized for the growth at any cost ethos within Amazon as it is within all the big tech companies. Well, the, uh, the ethos of growth at any cost that brings about the surveillance and control loop is not limited to Amazon warehouse workers. That's the point that this New York Times story is, is trying to make. And it's not to minimize the plight of, of Amazon workers at all. It's simply to broaden our horizons and say worker surveillance is not simply for warehouse workers anymore. It's for them and increasingly everybody else. So let me read you a little bit from this New York Times story so you get a sense of, of what I'm talking about when I say it's coming for all of us. Radiologists see scoreboards showing their, quote, inactivity time and how their productivity stacks up against their colleagues. Uh, at United Health Group, low keyboard activity can affect compensation and bonuses. Architects, academic administrators, doctors, nursing home workers, and lawyers described to the journalist who wrote the story growing electronic surveillance over every minute of their workday. They echoed complaints that employees in many lower paid positions, like the Amazon uh, warehouse workers I was just saying, employees in many lower paid positions have voiced for years that their jobs are relentless, that they don't have control. Keep, make, make a bookmark on that idea, okay, friends? That they don't have control, and in some cases, that they don't even have enough time to use the bathroom. In interviews and in hundreds of written submissions to the Times, white collar workers described being tracked as, quote, demoralizing, humiliating, and toxic. Micromanagement is becoming standard, they said. So here you, you have some employees, employee type or roles, I should say, within organizations that you might not have originally associated with micromanaging surveillance and control and manipulation. Radiologists, uh, architects, <laughs> lawyers, these are positions, if, if we can call them white collar positions, that we did not, I, I, I think I certainly did not, even a few years ago, associate with the growing surveillance state. Sure, maybe people carry around a, a surveillance device like an Android phone or another surveillance device like an Apple iPhone, or maybe they wear a personal fitness surveillance device like a Fitbit, but geez, when they get to their office desk, they get to do their work, right? A radiologist gets to do what a radiologist does and a lawyer and an architect. No, they are being tracked. And you hear even at United Health Group, people's keyboard activity is being tracked. And this stuff is, is um, tied to compensation and bonuses. So there's stories of people saying, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm being tracked in the number of emails I send. I guess I need to send more pointless emails in order to look like I'm busy. Um, but here's my favorite, going back to the time story, here's my favorite example that they, that they gave. They talked to a hospice chaplain. 
Now, uh, a lot of you, if you have had a, a family member or a friend go through hospice, you know what hospice is. But if you don't know, let me just say briefly that hospice is, is, is a wonderful, great, very important and compassionate program for patients who have a terminal diagnosis, who are expected only to live, I don't know what the uh, cutoff is, but let's say uh, a, a few months, a few weeks or a few months. Someone can go into hospice. Hospice, I think, generally gives palliative care at home. So rather than someone being hooked up to machines in a, in a uh, depressing hospital room or scary hospital room somewhere, they get to, basically they get to, to die at home with, uh, with pain relief and, and compassionate care. Well, it, it, and there's a whole hospice team. There are social workers, there are doctors, and in some cases, the family uh, asks for a chaplain uh, to, to come by, a spiritual advisor of some sort. And so of all the positions that you can think of for work that do not need uh, intrusive surveillance and gamification and all of the completely unethical practices, the, the growth at any cost practices that Silicon Valley brings, hospice chaplain has to be near the top of that list of roles that don't need this. And yet, the New York Times story talked to a hospice chaplain, uh, this woman, Ms. Richardson, who said she and her colleagues, other hospice chaplains, had to project how many, quote, productivity points they would accumulate during the day's work. But death defied planning. Isn't that a pesky little detail for the tech bros out in Silicon Valley? Death defies planning. There is something beyond growth at any cost, you know. Things do come to an end. And, uh, and so far, Silicon Valley, despite its many promises otherwise, so far, Silicon Valley has not been able to defeat death. And yet, they keep trying. So they are putting the hospice chaplains through the digital meat grinder and saying, you have to make a certain number of patient visits per day. Get your productivity points up. You can get a badge. Hey, you're ranked number three among your colleagues. If you just get a little more productivity, then you can surpass your colleagues in the game we call hospice chaplain productivity. Oh, wonderful. That just sounds great. And so the hospice chaplains are now being nudged into making shorter and shorter, more cursory visits to their patients, just popping their head in the room where someone is dying with their family surrounding them. And the chaplain spends less time because the surveillance system is nudging them to move faster and keep going so that they can feed the growth at any cost profit motive of whatever, whatever company or companies are behind the sick system. So that's the, the rise of the worker productivity score is coming for all of us. And that was a lesson that was learned, uh, that was learned by a group of employees that didn't expect to learn this. Um, and this, this brings up the second article I wanted to talk about. This, there's a, there's a great online site called Wall Street on Parade. It's written by Pam Martins and Russ Martins. They were uh, employees of Wall Street banks, I believe, uh, back in the 80s or 90s, and they became, as, as best I, these are not their words, but as best I understand, Pam and Russ became disgusted by the unethical practices they witnessed on Wall Street. They left and they started Wall Street on Parade, and they write almost on a daily basis about the uh, totally unethical and often outright criminal behavior of the top Wall Street banks and other Wall Street institutions. So on July 8, so just a few weeks ago, uh, Pam and Russ uh, published a piece on Wall Street on Parade called here are the Orwellian details of the U.S. patent that J.P. Morgan got approved for. It's sprawling system of spying on employees. So <laughs> I can't tell you the whole story. It's a, it's, a, it's a very interesting story. You can read the link. You can go to WFMU.org, click playlists and comments. You can read this whole story for yourself. But the, the upshot is at J.P. Morgan... Uh, the bank is, is totally 
committed to the most intrusive possible surveillance of its employees that it can possibly muster. And so this is not just a, a big tech, you know, Silicon Valley thing. Of course, they're drawing on Silicon Valley technology, but th this is, these practices are, this is not just tech companies or, or, or companies that do uh, business with tech companies. This is here, JP Morgan, New York City company is intrusively spying on its own employees. So here's what the Martins write. Back in 2018, Bloomberg reporters published a stunning expose on how J.P. Morgan Chase was spying on its employees, including after hours. So even, even when they were not, you know, on the clock, uh, J.P. Morgan still spying on its employees. Using as many as, here's, here's a twist, friends, get ready, using as many as 120 engineers from the data mining company Palantir Technologies. According, and so let me stop. J.P. Morgan, what this is saying is that there was a Bloomberg article back in 2018. Some reporters did some very good work at Bloomberg, and they uncovered a partnership between J.P. Morgan Chase and Palantir. Now, Palantir is Peter Thiel's company that is, um, I should do a whole show just on Palantir, but it's a surveillance company that has contracts with law enforcement, with the military, I guess Wall Street banks as well, and a bunch of other actors that probably haven't been published or publicized. This company works with everyone. And, uh, and, and apparently they were working with J.P. Morgan Chase, being paid by J.P. Morgan Chase, 120 engineers, in order to spy as intrusively as possible on the bank's employees. Now let me read the next sentence from this piece from Wall Street on Parade. It all ended, oh this is actually, this is from the Bloomberg article, excuse me. It all ended when the bank's senior executives learned that they too were being watched. And what began as a promising marriage of masters of big data and global finance descended into a spying scandal. So what happened there is that the executives learned that when you install a surveillance system, especially if it comes from Palantir Technologies, it's coming for you too. This is, this is the message. I keep returning to this because this is, the, everyone knows there's surveillance, but I'm just trying to tell you, the listeners, that it's coming for you too. It's coming for you too. It doesn't matter what role you have. It's coming for you too. And that's what the J.P. Morgan Chase senior leadership learned is that when they, and I could go into whole um, Tolkien references, when they looked into the, into the Palantir, this evil orb, uh, they learned that they, they themselves were going to get sucked into it. So what did the J.P. Morgan senior leadership do? Did they say, oh, gosh, being surveilled by this opaque system feels icky, and it does not boost my productivity. It makes me hate my job. Uh, and it makes me paranoid, and I want to leave, and this is not good, and we should not be doing this in an organizational culture. Oh, I get it. I get it finally that the employees hate this. Now I understand. Is that what they said? Did they shut it down? No. They said, gosh, if Palantir is spying on us, maybe we should fire Palantir and build our own surveillance system that's guaranteed not to spy on management. So here are the Martins uh, from Wall Street on Parade. Here's how they continue. But the surveillance program did not end. The bank simply developed its own proprietary spying system instead. Business insider reporter Reed Alexander has reignited the scandal with the news that the internal surveillance program at J.P. Morgan Chase is now called, quote, Workforce Activity Data Utility or W-A-D-U. Do they call it WADU? WADU? Uh, I'd love to know. According to Business Insider, the surveillance is fostering paranoia inside the bank. Who could have expected that? Who could have expected that? The surveillance is fostering paranoia inside the bank with employees using the terms Big Brother and 1984, of course, references to the George Orwell book. So here's one case where the adjective Orwellian 
is literally true because the employees of this bank that are now being subjected to a second surveillance program that, that uh, I would guess is being built in-house to guarantee that senior leadership is not part of the surveilled parties. It's only on the employees. And, and the, uh, the employees are saying, this makes me feel paranoid. This feels like Big Brother. This feels like 1984 with the ambient surveillance and, and someone watching you and, and you're never sure when there's going to be a consequence. Workplace surveillance is coming for you. It's, it's at J.P. Morgan Chase. It's with radiologists, architects, lawyers, hospice chaplains, and of course, in the Amazon fulfillment centers and everywhere in between. And I just, I just wanted to share that story of, uh, about uh, J.P. Morgan Chase to show that the senior leadership there knew exactly what they needed to do when they realized what Palantir was doing. That they realized that the Palantir was coming for them too, and they realized it feels icky. We've got to build our own in-house system. But th there's, a, there's an underlying point here that's really important about surveillance, that the surveillance, what, the, what, what I believe that J.P. Morgan senior leadership, what I imagine them saying around their conference table up on the 49th floor or whatever, is, hey, we've got to do something about this because we don't want to be under the control of this system that's being developed and, ma and maintained by Palantir. We don't want to be under their control. You see, friends, surveillance is never just about surveillance. I, I have never heard or read an account of a company or a tech bro. I mean, there, there's, some, there's some really weird extreme cases out there once in a while, but for the most part, these companies are not doing this just to be creepy. They may know they're creepy. Uh, Eric Schmidt, the former CEO of Google, had a, had a famous line about that. He knew very well that Google is creepy. Uh, but they're not doing it in order to be creepy. They're doing it because surveillance leads to control. You have to understand this. When you carry around a surveillance device, to some extent, maybe over time, maybe a, 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 it feels minor, but to some extent, you are under control of the companies that have put software on that device and, and the company, whether Apple or Google, that designed the hardware of that device. You are, uh, to some extent, you are placing yourself under control of the surveillance companies. And that's what J.P. Morgan Chase senior leadership realized. Uh, and here I want to take a, a, just a brief intermission because I know this is kind of heavy, <laughs> heavy stuff. Uh, so let me see if this will work. What I want to do is play you an example of what control from management used to sound like in the days before intrusive surveillance bestowed upon us by Silicon Valley and our big tech masters and their Wall Street partners. This is what control from management used to sound like. Here it is. Hello, Peter. What's happening? Um, I'm going to need you to go ahead and come in tomorrow. So if you could be here around nine, that would be great. Okay. Oh, oh, and I almost forgot. Uh, I'm also going to need you to go ahead and come in on Sunday, too. Okay. We uh, lost some people this week, and uh, we need to sort of play catch up. Thanks. Okay, that was, uh, some of you know it right off, that was from the movie Office Space. I think that was 1993, if I'm right. Uh, and that was the character of Lumberg, a, uh, a classic character in, um, in that sort of movie. He was a, he was a great villain. And the, the management in that movie is just saying, you know what, uh, we want you to work extra time. And they never give really a good reason, it's just because. Uh, they give some dumb uh, response like, oh, we, we lost some people. So, yeah, I'm really going to need you to come in. Thanks. Well, today, Lumberg has been replaced by Wadu, as J.P. Morgan puts it. Whatever the intrusive employee surveillance system it is, whether it's in-house or 
partnered with Palantir Technologies or built from various parts supplied by uh, the, the many, many Silicon Valley companies who have hitched their wagons to the idea of surveillance as a business model, surveillance and control. And I thought there was a really good uh, summary and analysis of this whole workplace surveillance um, issue that came from Corey Doctorow, who's a past Tectonic guest. He's, he's been on, um, he was talking about his surveillance capitalism book about a year ago. And if you've, been in, if you've been in or around tech for long enough, you probably know Corey Doctorow's name. He's a very prolific, uh, very smart guy. And he wrote on his own uh, pluralistic blog a, a piece on August 21st, just uh, a week or two ago, called Workplace Surveillance is Coming for You. And he writes about something he calls, and I have to be FCC compliant here, so I'm going to call it the PUI Technology Adoption Curve. Uh, the, I'll just tell you the acronym is STAC, that is the PUI Technology Adoption Curve. And Dr. writes, the point of the STAC, the PUI Technology Adoption Curve, is to normalize technological oppression one group at a time. 20 years ago, if you were eating your dinner under the unblinking eye of a video camera, it was because you were in a supermax prison. Now, thanks to luxury surveillance, and here I'll just remind you listeners, luxury surveillance is a term coined by Dr. Chris Gilliard, who's a friend of the show and has been on Tectonic a number of times. Dr. O writes, now, thanks to luxury surveillance, you can get the same experience in your middle-class home with your Google, Apple, or Amazon, quote, smart, meaning surveillance, camera. Those cameras climbed the curve, going from prisons to schools to workplaces to homes. And what he's talking about in this adoption curve also hold, this is me now talking, the, the adoption curve that Dr. O is describing also holds within the workplace. I could say something similar that 20 years ago, if maybe not 20 years ago, but things are moving so fast right now, five years ago, if you were, if your uh, every action on it physically within your office space, within your workplace, I should say, uh, was, was minutely tracked and analyzed. And, and, and five years ago, if you were getting constant reminders to speed up and do this better, and you're, you're ranked too low among your colleagues, go, go, go. If you, were getting, if you were having that sort of a workplace experience, you're probably an Amazon Fulfillment Center worker. But today, it means you're an architect, or you're a radiologist, or any of the other positions that I talked about earlier in the New York Times story. And, and Dr. O writes about that Times story, and he liked it uh, as well, just saying that this is, this, what the Times story is pointing out, what's happening right now is a change. We have not had intrusive digital surveillance across the workplace ever before. Yes, back in, uh, back in the old days, we had Taylorism. Uh, and and uh, the, the old uh, cheaper by the dozen, you know, tracking the movements of, of every person on the team and seeing how you can optimize. That was for factory work. And again, not to excuse it or, 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 or the, uh, the, the harmful effects that kind of thing happened, had on the workers. But I'm just saying that was an earlier era when that sort of thinking was limited to rather um, repetitive physical work that generally happen in factories. These days, we're seeing it crop up in, in occupations and roles that we were always told, oh, well, this, these are knowledge workers. You know, the, your greatest assets leave the, the, the company doors every day. You have to take care of your employees and make sure they feel good and, 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 and are happy. Um, go back and listen to my interview with Carolyn Chen. She wrote a great book called Work, Pray, Code about uh, life in the workplace in Silicon Valley and how that is being degraded as well. And the companies try to, to lay on mindfulness seminars and yoga classes as though that is going to undo the harm 
the psychic and as she puts it in her book in her interview the spiritual harm of people having to devote their entire life body mind and soul to the profit motive of these big tech companies it's coming for all of us is the message but i have some i have some good news i have some good news i don't want to leave you on a on a bummer note we're not done yet but i just want to stop and give you some good news in that there is an example recently of employees fighting back when the surveillance system gets installed. And uh, I could tell you about the new uh, Amazon Workers Union on Staten Island. Uh, that was, I covered that briefly on a previous show. I think that's a positive development. But no, I want to talk about a company based in Seattle, not Amazon, uh, a, a sandwich company called Homegrown. I'm not familiar with this company, uh, but maybe if, if you live in Seattle or in the Pacific Northwest, maybe you know this company. Uh, it, it promises, I think it promises uh, environmentally friendly practices and healthy ingredients in their sandwiches and so on. Well, they have these uh, trucks and these drivers that I think are employed by Homegrown that take the sandwiches and deliver them out to uh, wherever the sandwiches get delivered to. And the, the truck drivers have, have been operating, I think, pr pretty typical truck driver jobs for a long time. And then earlier in August, earlier last month, this is from a Vice article by Joseph Cox on uh, August 26. Earlier in August, homegrown drivers entered their vehicles to find four-inch cameras made by a company called Foresight Analytics that tracked their eye movements, listened to them with microphones, and used facial recognition technology. And that's from a Seattle Times report. This is all linked on the playlist at WFMU.org. So what you have is not a giant, you know, Amazon globe-spanning, toxic, sludge uh, kind of company from big tech, Amazon or Facebook or whatever. You've got a, a regional company called Homegrown that says, hey, you know what would be great is if we started listening into the drivers as they're driving sandwiches around town. Yeah, we're going to sell many more sandwiches if we can only install really Orwellian, intrusive, unwarranted, unwanted surveillance on our truck drivers. Yeah then we're really going to be cooking with gas here. Yeah, let's put them in. And let, hey, 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 I got it. I got it. Let's not tell the drivers we're doing it, okay? Let's put in the four-inch cameras as a surprise. <laughs> yeah, that sounds great. I'm just, I'm just improving off of what the senior leadership meeting around their conference table on the 49th floor must have sounded like. Hey, you know what? Those guys should really talk to the, the senior leadership from, from uh, J.P. Morgan Chase. They have a lot in common when you think about it. Anyway, ha, ha, ha. Yes, let's make it a surprise. And so they installed four-inch cameras and, and microphones that are listening and scanning and facial recognizing these truck drivers so they can what? so they can drive sandwiches around the city of Seattle while being fully surveilled. Okay, I'm gonna stop my little rant there. I think it's completely insane and outrageous and stupid, frankly. The truck drivers said, nope, we're not doing it. And this is the, this is the lesson, this is the lesson. If you wanna root out a surveillance system, your best chance is right when it's installed. I mean, right then. We're having a real time of it with these Link NYC Google surveillance towers in New York City. You can listen to my interview uh, with Molly Osberg two weeks ago about the, the even worse successor, these Link 5G things, and they won't even tell us if Google's involved. These things are sprouting up. It's really, really hard to conceive of getting rid of this thing. But the, the homegrown truck drivers said, nope. I mean, the minute the cameras appeared, they noped right out of there. And they went on strike. They said, we are not, ex we are not going to accept cameras in these trucks. The, the workers banded together and they issued collective, a collective response to management. And I'm really happy to say that the headline in that Joseph Cox piece 
in Vice on August 26 is striking Seattle workers win against surveillance cameras and vehicles. Sandwich company Homegrown put artificial intelligence powered cameras in drivers' vehicles. Now, after the successful strike, drivers will be allowed to cover them. <laughs> and I don't know what that means for the microphones, friends, but you know, it's a little victory. It's a little victory for workers against the surveillance coming down from leadership, which is totally unethical and unnecessary. Can you conceive? How did people ever drive trucks full of sandwiches before 2022 when we had cameras? I don't know how they ever managed it. It's amazing. It's a mystery. How did we ever have a hundred and how many years of sandwiches and trucks successfully being delivered to customers before we had these beautiful, beautiful surveillance cameras and microphones and facial recognition? Thank goodness we have these enlightened technologies now that really allow the sandwiches to be delivered in the city of Seattle. It's ridiculous. Okay, so what have we learned, friends? You can't deliver a sandwich in this town without being surveilled, and if it happens, you gotta strike immediately. You gotta get the stuff out of the trucks or at least have the legal ability to cover them up legally or it's gonna keep continuing to grow. Oh man. Can I play you something from Scott Sice as another, we only have 15 minutes left, but I did put this together. Scott Sice is the guy who did these little videos on social media about his time as an Ikea employee. And uh, what, what his shtick is, is he, he uh, says something that is typical of a customer, of a retail customer. And then this dramatic music plays, it's always the same clip, and he gives his snarky response, what he would love to be able to say to that customer. So this is uh, in honor of all retail workers, doesn't have to be uh, IKEA, all retail workers I hope will, uh, will appreciate what Scott Sice came out with just a few months ago. Here it is, a, a kind of a brief clip, and he's got three different Q&As. Here's Scott Sice. Lazy for cashiers to sit down, and it's weird to care. Work shouldn't be an endurance test. Let them sit, we're not doing a survivor challenge. You don't think people can sit down and work at the same time? You're going to be real mad when you find out what an office is. Why are your hold time so long? Because you all keep calling. And they don't pay people enough to stay at this job and listen to you. If you're worried about the wait times, feel free to hang up. Message us on Twitter. It's easier for me to complain about you when you're not on the phone anyway. At this job, we're a family. No, we're co-workers. We're in a store, not a Vin Diesel movie. Hate to disappoint you, but I've applied to about 40 other families this week. Yeah, sure, we're a family, and that you're going to force me to spend Thanksgiving night with you. This is just a job, and I'll treat it as such. Okay, so that was Scott Sice. Uh, I, I got those off of some social media site um, where he posts his videos of his imagined snarky responses to annoying questions that he has gotten as a retail worker. Um, but again, the surveillance that we're talking about on this show is not just for retail workers, even though I'm sure it is severe uh, within retail as it is within Amazon and other fulfillment centers. It's coming for all of us who work. If you have a job, if you carry a surveillance device known as an iPhone or a surveillance device known as an Android phone, it's already there. And if you have an employer-issued surveillance device, smartphone, or perhaps a laptop, it's likely that there is employer-installed surveillance wear, it's also known as bossware, I would call it malware, that is already watching you, listening to you, and monitoring you. It could be your voice, it could be uh, the video and images from the camera. It could be your keystrokes. It could be the content of your keystrokes. It could be key logging what you type in. And here's the thing. Here's the thing that, that, that if there are employers out there who are considering this, I just want to jump to the punchline. You don't understand what you're getting yourself into because it's coming for you too. And they say, no, no, no. We have this special system that only 
uh, it only surveils the employees. Uh, we have opted out uh, senior leadership. We don't, we're, we're not subject to the same regime. No, we're not going to do that. You're wrong, friend. It's coming for you, too. And they say, no, no, you don't understand. All I care about is growth at any cost. And my response is, exactly. It's coming for the growth of your company because the surveillance companies that are behind all of this, their names are Facebook, Google, Amazon, Apple, Microsoft, all of them have a role to play. And there's a whole, and to, to be clear, it's not just those five companies. There's a huge industry of surveillance companies, but those are the, are, are the big five. Microsoft, let me, let me read you something from Cory Doctorow's piece that I was talking about earlier from August 21. Workplace surveillance is coming for you. There's a, there's a little aside that he writes about Microsoft that all senior leadership, all CEOs, all employers should pay special attention to. Here's what, here's what Dr. O writes. He's talking about Office 365. You know this, this, this suite of, of tools? I try to avoid it as much as I can. I cannot stand Word and Excel. Uh, this thing called Office 365, Dr. O writes, Office 365 went from being an online version of Microsoft Office to being a bossware delivery system. The Office 365 sales pitch focuses on fine-grained employee tracking and comparison. So bosses can rank their workers' performance against each other. Let me stop there. Do you understand? If you work in an office and you're using Office 365, do you understand that's bossware? You, as an employee, you are, can be watched by your employer. That's spyware. Microsoft is putting out spyware. It's not a word processor. It's a surveillance system for management. If it was just a word processor that was poorly designed and really annoying and can't print and you do, can't do the margins and forget about graphics, if it was just that, then I would just become, no, it's not a poorly designed word processor. It's a surveillance system. So let me continue what Dr. O says. Beyond, uh, so the Office 365 sa pitch says, oh, we can surveil your employees and so on. But beyond this automated gladiatorial keystroke combat, I like that phrase, Office 365's analytics will tell you how your company performs against other companies. So basically, Microsoft is taking all of the bossware data, all of the surveillance data into their own databases to compare one company against another. Can you see where this is headed? Can you see? Now you've got data flow going from employees beyond the reach of senior leadership, out of the company doors, into the hands of Microsoft. This growth at any, this unethical growth at any cost behemoth the sludge factory that wants to take that data and guess what they may want to do with that. Again, employers, listen, listen up. Dr. O writes, that's right, Microsoft will spy on your competitors and sell you access to their metrics. It's wild, but purchasing managers who hear this pitch seem completely oblivious to the implication of this that Microsoft will also spy on you and deliver your company's metrics to your competitors. Even wilder, Dr. O continues, is the further implication that Microsoft might use the data its product gathers on your business, every keystroke made by every worker in the entire company to compete with you. Do you get that? Employers, do you get that? When you install a surveillance system, the data doesn't just go to you. It goes to the surveillance company that made the spyware. And that puts your job at risk. I just, I just I'm tearing my hair. Don't you understand? Surveillance systems are bad for everyone. And yet, they're coming for everyone. Because employers hear these sales pitches and they go, oh, you mean we can deliver sandwiches 8.32% faster with a lower error rate 
and we kind of sort of get to keep our thumb on the employees and make sure they're not misbehaving? Yeah! Put the cameras in the trucks, man! So stupid, don't you understand? When you do a deal with the devil, which is these big tech companies, you are going to be surveilled yourself. You are going to lose your own agency. You are going to put your own company at risk. It's going to backfire. And here we are habituating everyone to, as Dr. O puts it, the, <laughs> the pooey technology of this stuff. We're habituating all workers in all industries. And we're beginning to reach down into the younger age groups and say, here, have some surveillance devices. Get used to it because when you enter the workforce, we don't want you freaking out like that nutcase Gen X guy on that weird station. We want compliant children growing up under the surveillance regime so they are extremely compliant workers who don't ask any questions about the unwarranted, unwanted, unethical surveillance that's coming at them in their workplace, no matter what position they have. Just, just a few days ago, the New York Times wrote this story. An Apple Watch for your five-year-old? More parents say yes. The Times tends to be a little bit boosterish. But I did appreciate this story. Quote, as Apple prepares to unveil new models next week, can we just please, can, can, we, can we just stop? Can we just stop talking about every new model that Apple comes out with? Can we just stop? Why don't we talk about the next Lower East Side Ecology Center e-waste disposal day? You know, in, in preparation for the next e-waste disposal day, here's an article about Apple iPhones. That's what I would like to see. No, we've got to hear about Apple's upcoming launch. As Apple prepares to unveil new models next week, the smartwatch, meaning surveillance watch, let's, let's, let's capture and correct that typo, the surveillance watch has found an unexpected audience. Children as young as five years old. The article continues, Apple has deliberately turned the watch into a device that can be attractive for children and their parents. In 2020, the company released the, I'm not going to say the product name, and then they also introduced, I'm not going to say the name of the feature, software that lets parents track their children's locations, manage their contacts, and limit their notifications. You know, I, I have a, it's just, where do I start, friends? Where do I start? I've got four minutes left. Where do I start? For parents that are considering buying a surveillance watch for their five-year-old to track their movements, manage their contacts for a five-year-old, and limit their notifications. Okay, let me, can we just talk? Okay, I understand. You want to you wanna keep up with people, uh, but you're keeping up with the wrong people, first of all. And second of all, uh, you, you, you want to be judicious, and you, you want to say, oh, let's not, uh, Timmy should not get addicted, so let, let me use this new feature that limits the notification slightly. Uh, do you see anything wrong with the strategy? You're going to buy him a surveillance watch in order to enable a feature that slightly reduces the number of notifications. Do you see anything wrong with that? Is there anything, any red flag anywhere in there? You just bought a five-year-old, a surveillance watch. I don't know where to start with these people. How about, how about, I know this is just radical. How about not buying it? How, how did, how did for a hundred thousand years of homo sapiens sapiens development, and, and, and cultural evolution and, and civilization, to whatever that means. How did children grow up without wearing a device that connects to the richest, most powerful organizations in the world for their ability to track these children throughout their entire lives? How did kids ever manage to grow up outside such a system? It's the same question as the sandwiches in Seattle, friends. I guess we'll never know. It's a complete mystery. <sighs> Send me your favorite in an audio clip of 30 seconds or less to mark at wfmu.org. That's it, friends, for today. 
I look forward to seeing you next week. You've been listening to the greatest radio station in the world, WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope in New York City and Rockland County at 91.9 FM, and online at WFMU.org. Until next time, friends, you know exactly what to do. Avoid Amazon and Apple. Forget Facebook. And whatever you do, get off Google. Greetings, Earthlings. Don't, don't let, let, let the computers destroy your life. Careful of the games they play with the modern technology. Oh, oh. Oh, let me tell you, in this new age, Babylon culture, don't worship technology and bow to computers, cause the microchip is gone, chip and failure, and bring you straight forward to creation. In this new age, Babylon culture, don't worship technology and bow to computers, cause the microchip is gone, chip and failure, and bring you straight forward to creation. And now we're slowly depending on the machinery Man, make the machine and get trapped Slowly depending on the technology Caught in the web and can't come out of it In a 1999, in a dead effort and Wonder if the clock did not go stop in a Counting down the time, New Year's Eve. 2000 come and gone, and now you think things sweet. Mine, you catch a virus on the internet. And be careful of the emails that you collect. I see the whole world gone, computer literate. And to the birds and the bees, them is illiterate. You've got access to everything on the internet. But experience, teacher, wisdom come from around your desk. Oh, the microchip is gone, chip and failure. And bring you straight forward to creation. Young Junior, got a sad story. Stayed awake late nights in a text glory.
o'clock, two o'clock, three o'clock, four o'clock, five o'clock, six o'clock, rock. Never stop rock this rhythm alone, alone. If you're dealing war, back or stay far. If you're dealing with troops and rock and some more, come some more into my side.
les faux semblants de la farce humanitaire aboutirait au néant. C'est une boule à facettes, comme dans les discothèques, ça reflète à la lumière et sans elle du vent. J'aime les images fortes car je suis comme toi, le poids des mots et le choc des photos. Time to change the world cause I'm fed up We're gonna expose the wrong that's been going on There's people dying in the streets still In every city, lots of kids they be ill I live in Brooklyn, got boys all over Been around the world and you know that I know the Good, the bad, the young, the mad The good, the bad, the young, the mad so L'homme qui prend le microphone se nomme Solar Maître de la rime urbaine accompagné de comparses de gangstars à Paris en France comme dans la romantique Imite le maître, mal de le maître, comme Spartacus, limite le maître qui millimètre après millimètre, jette l'intellect à des kilomètres. It's your town, guru. Crazy madness, it's all I see out my window. It doesn't matter who's the president, yo, I hate to tell you, but slavery is still in effect. Haven't you checked? Us black folks, we ain't free yet. I make a bet, if we don't let the truth out, huh, evil will win. 